Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast in partnership with Koan, the dedicated OKR platform. Today, we're super excited to be bringing you a very special episode all about the 2020 Global OKR Report. And for today's discussion, I'm delighted to be joined by Roger Longdon and Matt Tucker. So for our listeners to Giant Talk that haven't heard from you two before, please can you both introduce yourselves and Roger, I'll come to you first. Okay, thanks very much, Jenny. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm the uh, the founder of Therapy Giants. Uh, as you, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already guessed, we do OKRs. Um, business has been going for about 10 years, but we've been specialists in OKRs for the past five. Uh, work truly internationally with clients all over from South America, South Africa, right through to Europe, North America, and over in Asia and uh, Australia and New Zealand. Um, lockdown, COVID hasn't held us back. We've uh, seen a lot of remote projects be done equally, if not more successfully than face-to-face. Um, and we're finding OKRs as a really exciting uh, uh, sector, if you will, to 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 be in and work in at the moment. A lot of people are, uh, are, are turning to it to help them uh, with the current challenges. And we're seeing a lot of businesses uh, really transform their performance and their, their agility through using OKRs. Perfect. Thanks, Roger. And Matt? Yeah, and just we'll say, thrilled to be here today to... Uh, with you, Jenny and Roger, to talk about this OKR report and what some of the, the real data is saying about how people are using OKRs. Uh, so I am uh, Matt Tucker, the CEO and co-founder of Koan. Uh, we're a software company that uh, builds software to help teams set goals and then reflect on progress and really to help build positive habits around alignment and achieving amazing results. Uh, and you can, in fact, add, uh, sign up and use Koan for free. Uh, but very excited to be here chatting about uh, this important topic. Great. Thanks both. Um, okay, so let's dive straight in. Um, the OKR annual report is now in its second year. Um, so Roger, do you want to explain a little bit about why TBG started the annual report? Yeah, um, I'm curious. Um, that's the bottom line. Uh, you know, there's this, there's this amazing thing called OKRs, but, you know, to, the, to, to those that are coming across it for the first time, um, I think they're well within the rights to go, uh, why? What's it all about? Where's the benefit? Why should we invest? Because that's what it is. It constitutes an investment of time, effort, and in many instances, money uh, to to get this new way of working uh, embedded into a business or an organization. And so I was curious as to what the answers to those questions were from those that have been using OKRs for um, a certain amount of time, typically at least 12 months. So at least they had some period to reflect on. And also, as well, if you're asking those questions, uh, you may as well, at the same time, find out what worked well and what, if they were to do it again, they'd do differently, because that is... In, you know the benefit benefit of hindsight you, you kind of if you can get that and then kind of position that make that available to those that have yet to start on that particular path then that can be a real benefit to those that are you know like i say starting on that path so it was it, it was absolute raw curiosity and then also 
a desire to try and extract some learning from those early adopters and try and share it with others who perhaps were, you know, kind of sitting on the fence as to whether they wanted to commit to it or not. And if they were, you know, which which route should they take? What should they do first? What what how should they prioritize? Now should they go should they go about it? Great. And I think I know something you've spoke to me or our team about is that test, learn and adapt. Yes. So I think you've very much added there that it, the report gives the test and learn bit and then other people can adapt as they kind of see fit from the research. So Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So Matt, um, obviously the Coan team have linked up with TBG this year on the report. So can you tell our listeners why you were interested to link up on the report? And also, did you have any kind of preconceptions about what the research might tell us? Yeah, really, really excited to have partnered on on the report this year. And you know, it, I'll just echo Roger in saying, you know, I think folks are hungry for some real data about what's actually happening with OKRs. You know, maybe you get started by uh, reading Measure What Matters. And then the next question is, well, what are other organizations that have implemented this framework uh, actually going through? What's top of mind? What learnings uh, can we take out of all of it? Um, so, you know, I certainly was expecting to to see some more profound changes out of everything that's happened over the course of 2020. Uh, the fact that every almost every organization has suddenly needed to grapple with uh, working remotely, and dealing with that, and where some of these challenges around alignment uh, and even doing planning exercises is fundamentally different. Uh, so that. That's what I was uh, expecting to, to come out of the report was maybe some signal out of this uh, tumultuous period of time in the world. Um, and I, I know we're going to chat about some of the details, but uh, I found it really interesting to see some of those themes start to come through in terms of how people are framing what OKRs are about and the impact they make. Great. Thanks, Matt. Um, so like you said, we're going to talk a little bit about the detail of the report. But for those listeners who didn't see last year's report, I just wanted to kind of highlight the key areas that we follow. So we go through who is using OKRs, why they're choosing to use them, how they're going to use them, what impact they, they've seen from using them. And finally, what they would do differently if they were to start using them again from the beginning. So, Roger, in terms of the context of last year's report and the kind of the year the world has faced, which Matt, Matt's just touched on, did you anticipate any shifts in the findings this year? Yeah, I did actually. Um, so, you know, I mean, the world was turned upside down for a, a lot of uh, businesses and organisations, and they suddenly had to reevaluate their certainly their short to medium term plans, uh, and possibly even their longer term plans uh, uh, in due course. But they had the, the bottom line was they had to adapt very very quickly and okrs are a great tool for allowing that speed of adaptation if they're if they're already in place and what i expected to see and this did come through actually was perhaps the use of maybe shorter cycles so instead of sticking for instance to uh, a 12-month annual cycle for top level uh, organizational goals it was interesting that we saw, uh, looking back at the data, um, we saw 45% of respondents use a, a three-month cycle for top-level, organizational-level objectives. That is is not particularly long-term, but you can understand it. 
in this, you know, in this year, sorry, last year, in, in 2020, you can kind of understand that because you kind of just needed to make sure that you got, you you know, you got past the, these these next three months. Let's not think about the full year. Let's just really bring in that horizon. Let's just not, let's just get people, you know, comfortable and secure with, with the next three months. Yeah. Let's just keep our focus on that. Um, and in comparison, 30, it was 35% that they said that they were still using um, them at uh, uh, on a 12 month cycle. So I think that that's, that's quite a, that's quite a difference. And one of the other things which I expected to see um, didn't quite get this in the data uh, uh, particularly, um, but I, 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 I thought there might be evidence of less stretch. Um, so, you know, maybe if they were resetting OKRs in response to, you know, COVID and so on and the challenges that that faced, there might be less emphasis on the stretch and just actually let's just let's just set enough to keep us focused to get through the next period. Yeah. Uh, and to do what we need to do to 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 keep ourselves, you know, uh, heads above water and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, so that, those were kind of, I think, the two the two biggest changes that I was expect, expecting to see. Great. Thank you. And I suppose, Matt, um... I suppose coming to you for the similar kind of question, were there any trends you expected to see emerge within the report? And I suppose, especially given the ongoing feedback you maybe received from clients during the past year. Yeah, a couple couple things I'll pick out. Um, you know, there's uh, one really common refrain um, I've seen in, in even press releases from companies uh, talking about how they're embracing remote work and maybe transitioning from being uh, you know, an office-based culture to permanently remote or uh, remote friendly for that the first time, even uh, once the, the pandemic uh, is mostly done, uh, there's this uh, concept of becoming more outcome focused than output focused. And you know, part of the reality of, of remote people is, oh, we can't look and see if they're sitting in their desk chair. Um, and does that mean that they're doing good work or not? Uh, and instead it's, hey, we need to, to be really clear about um, what we're trying to achieve, and then measuring the impact and objectives and key results are an amazing framework for doing that. Uh, so, you know, this bigger concept of being more outcome-driven and valuing that type of work, um, certainly was expecting that to, to come through. Um, and then, very related, uh, this idea of do we feel connected to the mission and purpose of the organization, and how do our goals? help us um, you know, know that we're having that type of impact. Uh, that's really fundamental to a workforce that feels aligned. That is definitely a, a more challenging problem with uh, remote employees. And so you know, some of those themes around, hey, we're using our goals um, you know, both to measure whether we're having an impact and do that better remotely, and to create a culture where we can talk about, you know, are we working on the right things, achieving our, our purpose as an organization, and therefore helping people feel more connected to the company, even when they're not, you know, sitting together in the office. Um, those were those were two big themes I was excited to, to see come through in the data. Great, thanks, Matt. Yeah, really interesting. I think it's we all like kind of preconceived conceptions, um, uh, images of what we think the year might have looked like. So to kind of see that in the data is really interesting. So I'm going to dive in and talk about a couple of key statements from the report now. Um, and I'm going to read a quote from the report and then come to you both for your thoughts on it. So here's the quote. Um, 
Interestingly, a number of those citing stronger connections to purpose and increased focus on growth as their reason for OKR adoption were businesses of 100 people or more. This suggests that as complexity within an organisation rises, the risk of disengagement increases, which inevitably becomes a threat to the alignment of the vision and strategy. So Matt, is that something you've seen experience of? Absolutely. Um, I think goals are ultimately a collaboration challenge. Uh, and this is a geometric problem. Uh, and what I mean by that, um, you know, if you are three people uh, trying to have a conversation, um, you know, that's a pretty small number of connection points, A to B, B to C, C to A. Uh, if you have only just 10 people, uh, the number of touch points and the opportunity for uh, conversation to, to get lost um, you know, for people to be working at cross purposes. Uh, you know, it's geometrically increasing levels of complexity. And especially as you get into large organizations, you know, this is where the alignment challenge really gets acute. Um, you know, and even more so if you don't have those hallway conversations or you know, if you can take advantage of uh, just what you get in, in an office environment, it needs to become very intentional. Um, what's important? How are we measuring progress? Are we having the right touch points and, and knowing whether we're working on the right things? Uh, so that resonates. Uh, it's, this is a hard problem. It's especially hard when you have a large organization uh, and it takes thoughtful, structured approach to make it work well. Thanks, Matt. And Roger, does this kind of mirror, mirror what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis? 100%. Yeah, this was a challenge uh, pre-COVID and pre, you know, mass remote working. I think that has, I think the remote working has has uh, increased the the challenge around uh, building and maintaining alignment probably by about a factor of ten. Uh, so you know, there's even greater opportunity for misalignment uh, because people are are remote. You know, not even the teams are together. But yes, you know, the more teams there are, the more levels there are in an organization, the greater the scope that, well, the greater the complexity and the greater the scope for misalignment. It's, uh, it, it, it's uh, a classic, classic trap that large organizations fall into. And actually, it's often uh, the, one, of the, one of the primary reasons why larger clients come, come to us because they want to regain some of that agility and uh, responsiveness that comes with, um, you know, a, a simpler organization. Um, but but the, how so they, they look to OKRs to help them do that without actually obviously contracting in size because that, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, a practical, uh, a practical choice. So I love how Koan is designed with the team in mind. The team is really at the centre of the system. Um, it's about helping the team and the members of those teams, obviously, to really collaborate on how they work with OKRs. I mean, there's, there's obviously full transparency across the system, which helps. And then the features that they have around feedback uh, and uh, being able to track uh, levels of confidence and so on and so forth around and progress against OKRs. It, it's it's amazing, and it, because of that level of transparency, it builds accountability and fosters some great communication. So, yeah, I love how teams are just at the centre of uh, the system. I'm going to give you another point from the report now as well, and come again, come to you for your thoughts on it. So, 
Here's the quote. Um, when looking at where OKRs are used individually, 55% said that they did not use them to evaluate individual performance, a rise from 30% last year. So only 10% reported that they linked them to rewards slash pay and bonus calculations. Now, I know, Roger, we've spoke about this a lot at TBG about linking OKRs and performance management. So I'm going to come to you to share your thoughts on this, please. <laughs> so, yeah, this is something of a, of a personal campaign that I've been on for the past couple of years. And do you know what, though? I will hold my hands up and admit that when I first looked at OKRs five, six years ago, I was coming at this from a point of view of thinking, hmm, I wonder if they would be a good substitute for performance management. And I can absolutely understand why a lot of people, uh, at the very least, ask question or even try to use them as that. I think one of the one of the biggest traps to fall into is, well, it says objectives, so why wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, different way of using them. Um but, uh, yeah, I learned very quickly that it's not the case. You know, if you're going to use them in performance management, particularly for performance evaluation, then you Im immediately shut down. You don't make it into a safe environment, a safe-to-fail environment, which is necessary if you want to have that stretch, that degree of innovation, that, 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 that testing of new ideas uh, as part of your OKRs. And that is... That's a real, uh, it, it, for most organizations, that's a really, really important principle of OKRs that they can test out a new hypothesis that they might have for a new campaign or a, or, or going into a new market and, and so on. And they want to test that out. Um, so that's really important. Um, and as we've seen objectives be kind of prized away from HR, dare I say, and more into you know the broader strategic planning and execution activities i think this is i think the data is showing that 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 is happening um and i'm really pleased to see that i'm really pleased to see that i mean even digging a bit deeper into the data you know 37% of respondents said that they used them for individual okrs and actually only 20% said they used them to evaluate performance and out of and then down even further only 10% said they linked them to reward so that's i find that really encouraging and i'd love to see that get even lower but i think people i think organizations are getting the message that there is there is benefit in 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 you know creating a a, 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 a separation between the two Great. Thanks, Roger. And so, Matt, where does Coan stand when it comes to linking OKRs and performance management? You know, when you do something like you know, OKR annual report, you just got to follow the data and, and see, <laughs> see what happens. Um, but every once in a while, it's something, uh, a data point comes out, that you, uh, I, my reaction is, heck yeah, uh, this is what I we love to see at Coan. And um, part of it is just seeing so many OKR implementations that have become too complex, uh, just overbearing. Uh, all the things that Roger said around um, you know, taking away the safety of really stretching and um, making an environment where it's okay to fail at your goals, but you know, therefore become better as an organization. Uh, we feel passionate enough about this topic. We actually created uh, what we call the anti-OKR pledge at okrpledge.com that has a set of principles around uh, what we think, um, you know, partially in, in working with great folks like yourselves, 
uh, what we've seen to be great practices around and implementing OKRs. And one of them is certainly, please don't explicitly link performance management uh, and, uh, and your goals process. Uh, for all the reasons that Roger said, and um, just one extra thing I'll put emphasis on, you know, the second that you say every single person in the organization should have individual OKRs, it means you're signing up for just enormous complexity around this whole process. There's suddenly so many goals to manage. And even if you have dedicated software uh, to help you do it and you're not using a spreadsheet, it's still too complicated. Uh, so for all the reasons we've talked about, um, I think this is a positive trend. And you know, this isn't me bagging on performance management, by the way. Uh, having a, a structured process to manage individual growth and making sure people are getting the feedback that they need in their careers is critically important. That should continue. You can have individual goals, but these things should be separate um, and not having them be interlinked with your OKRs process as a, a team or a company is just a great trend. Great. So we're definitely on the same page with that one. Then. And it's good to see the, the data kind of matching up. And like Roger said, hopefully that will, we'll see a bigger trend in that next year, in next year's report. Um, one of the other changes we saw, we've seen from the last year's report is the switch in priorities with alignment of OKRs, establishing checking routines and systemization all seeing higher priority than in 2019. So Matt, um, like TBG, you put great emphasis on the check-in. So do you think this shift in priority has been amplified due to the remote way in which teams have worked in 2020? I think so. Um, you know, Back to this theme of Anything that you can do kind of ad hoc and when you're in an office environment maybe needs more thoughtfulness and, and structure when you're remote. Uh, I think it, it fits into that theme. Um, and then you know, even as we, we sit here early in 2021, I think something that a lot of us are, are thinking about individually is um, our own uh, habits and how do we create positive habits to, to make positive impact. Uh, maybe a bunch of folks out there are trying dry January or setting other personal resolutions. Um, so I, we're, we're just massive fans of uh, the check-in idea. We call it a, a reflection inside of Koan software. And part of the idea to us is those small habits that you establish uh, as a team, uh, the mindfulness you create out of thinking about the progress that you're making on a regular, regular on a really regular basis, that's how you actually make impact and achieve your goals. Um, so not surprising to me that uh, folks got more structured about this as they grappled with remote work, but I think it's just a really positive practice uh, for every team, no matter what your setup. Great, and, and Roger, it's, I guess for us, it's pleasing to see check-ins gain in priority for respondents. Are there any kind of tips you'd share when creating an impact, impactful check-in? Yeah, very much so. Um, simple steps, but really effective and often forgotten. First of all, prepare with some reflection. So don't just walk in without giving it any forethought. Um, one of the reasons why we are such big fans of Koan is, as Matt said, you know there is a, a very strong reflective element built into the system and from my own personal experience having worked in <clears throat> excuse me in high performance sport and worked with a lot of elite athletes over the years you know reflecting on your performance whether it be actually out in competition or whether it be in training is something which uh, is a high performance habit which an elite athlete does after every single activity 
Yeah. Every time they've been on the water, every time they've been on the track, like I say, whether it's training or competition, they will reflect and they will learn from that and they will adapt next time. Might be the smallest adaption, but they will do that next time. And if you can get into that as a as a routine, you know, for in preparation for a team check-in, uh, that's fantastic. It's a re- it is a high performance habit. Um, and yeah, keep the check-in simple. Doesn't have to be and cert- no, it certainly shouldn't be a talking shop, you know. And if people have prepared and done their updates beforehand, then that makes the the time really efficient. Uh, and uh, keep it light touch. And if it turns out, excuse me, that there are issues that need to be discussed, then don't necessarily get bogged down in those in the check-in. Take them offline and discuss them outside. Great. Thanks, Roger. Um, I'll come back to you shortly if there's anything else you want to add. I just noticed you're having a little coughing fit, so we will come back to you. Um, I don't know if there's, was there anything else you wanted to add, Roger? No. Okay, great. We'll we'll um, move on to our next kind of point around the report. So um, when we looked at the reasons why organisations are using OKRs, we found that increased employee engagement was the third most popular choice for adopting OKRs, up from 45% in 2019 to 52% in 2020. And we saw a greater prevalence of this reason in businesses of up to 250 employees. So, Roger, something we talk about at TBG is using OKRs to keep your teams happy, motivated and pulling in the right direction. So this has got to be music to your ears. Um, and again, do you think the shift to remote working has had an impact on this? Yeah, hugely. I think so. Um, I think there is a general appreciation, or there certainly was anyway, that uh, engagement is something that organisations need to be nailing. Uh, and not it's not just, you know, a HR kind of fashion i think that that it is something that is that, that is an important part of um the employee proposition uh, and retaining really good talent and attracting really good talent for that matter uh but you know the the need for that has increased and engagement is part for me is part of alignment it's not I don't think the two are interchangeable. I think alignment's something bigger, but I think engagement is a really important part of alignment because I don't think you can have alignment if you don't have engagement. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So I'm really pleased to see that. Really pleased. Great. Thanks, Roger. Um, So Matt, in terms of systemization, using a dedicated OKR platform adds transparency. And would you therefore say increased employee engagement and kind of are there any top tips you share with clients to help them increase buy-in? And, you know, if you think the way, think of the way most organizations deal with this, right, it's once per year or maybe once per quarter, uh, we write out our goals or OKRs, put them in a, a spreadsheet, and then nobody ever looks at that spreadsheet again uh, for the rest of the year or, or for the rest of the quarter. Um, so certainly, you know, using dedicated software that in particular will help you with some of those positive behaviors and habits, like having a, a great check-in process and figuring out how to keep goals uh, a part of the uh, continual work conversation, um, that's critical. Um, I think there's also the opportunity to more explicitly uh, connect your goals to the higher purpose of the organization. So what are we trying to achieve? Why? Uh, That's part of the objectives and key results framework. Uh, But really thinking about how to do that explicitly so that people not only know what the most important things are, 
uh, but why and what they're working on is is connected to the higher purpose of the organization. And that is uh, something I think you can do with dedicated software and uh, would be one of the, the most important tips. Um, you know, one other thing to share there, uh, a, a great OKRs process and um, using software to do it also creates an opportunity to have some structure around recognizing the wins. Um, so creating this positive feedback loop of, we know the most important things to work on, uh, we're clear about why those things are important, even for you know, why we're here as a business. And then as we achieve the results, uh, we celebrate the wins um, and then move on and do it all again. Uh, that's how you, you really turn this into uh, a breakthrough level of impact and uh, get every employee excited about alignment and achieving uh, that goal of engagement. Great. Thanks, Matt. Um, so we've brought you a little flavour of the findings from the 2020 Global OKR report, and I'm going to throw it back open to both of you, just kind of for any final thoughts on the report or kind of things that came out of the report. So, Roger, I'll come to you first and then Matt, if that's all right. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I would urge anyone that is thinking about embarking on OKRs to have a look at the report. You know, right at the beginning in the first section, it talks about uh, what people would do differently if they were to approach them again. And I think that's a really, really important steer. Uh, you can learn from those that have already made the mistakes. Um, so if you want to know how to, what, what activities to prioritize and what, uh, and to how to, how to, how to approach it, you know, there's really, really useful, uh, data there from over a hundred organizations who have already done this. So, um, I would just urge urge anyone that's yet to move forward to to take a look and use it as a resource to help uh, steer them in the on, on the right path. Great, and Matt. Yeah, I'll echo that. Uh, this is a whole bunch of of really great real data about how other companies are getting value out of OKRs, uh, what they're doing, uh, and the fact that um, it's been a really critical framework to help companies deal with tumultuous times, uh, both remote work and you know, figuring out how to be agile and, and change as uh, the world circumstances change around us. And as we sit at the beginning of 2021, uh, unfortunately, those tumultuous times uh, are going to continue for a while. Um, you know, OKRs is an amazing framework uh, for alignment and uh, achieving your goals anytime, uh, especially valuable right now. Um, so this data of uh, how our company is really getting value out of the framework, what decisions are they making about how to implement them. And I think anyone would will get a lot of value out of uh, going and reading the full report. Great. Thanks both. I suppose my final thought, and I'm sure you'll echo my thoughts on this, is just to say a huge thank you to everyone that participated in the research for us and allowed us to pull this report together. So big thank you to if you were one of those people. Um, so thank you both for joining me for today's episode of Giant Talk. If you're listening to this and you want to get your hands on a copy of the full 2020 annual OK report, either head over to therebegiants.com, coan.co, or you'll be signposted to the download in the show notes for this episode. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback, whether it's about the podcast or the report. You can drop us a note at growth at therebegiants.com and you can find the guys at Twitter, um, the guys at Coan on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, stay safe and we'll see you next time for another episode of Giant Talk. Thanks both. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you.